Welcome to Live Leadership, Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship, a podcast that showcases the talents, skills, and abilities of UT faculty, staff, and students. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, Associate Director for Student Learning and Development in Housing and Dining, and we're excited to have you listening to us. Welcome, everybody, to the Leadership, Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship podcast, also known as LIVE. I am your host, Dr. Brandon Jones, and I've got not one, but two very special guests with us today. Uh, First, we have Skylar Allen, who is a sophomore computer science major here with us today. And then we've got Ashley Richardson, who serves as the Autism Spectrum Education and Outreach Administrator within New Student Services here at UT Austin. And we're going to be talking about a lot of different things today. But before we dive into the topics and the subject matter, I want to give Ashley and Skylar a chance to say hello, uh, tell everybody a little bit about themselves, and then we're going to dive into uh, the heart and soul of why we're gathered today. So Ashley, would you be okay if I started with you or or Skylar, do you want to go first? I can jump in to get it going. Dr. Jones, thanks for having us here. We're super excited. Mm -hmm. Well, as you said, my name is Ashley Richardson. I am a licensed clinical social worker and I am the Autism Spectrum Education Outreach Administrator. That's such a long title within New Student Services. And I am also the Administrator of Longhorn Ties which we're super excited about. It is a new support service. Um, We started back in January of 2020, so right when COVID hit. And our program supports students who identify as being on the autism spectrum or neurodiverse. That's big news because I'm I'm, I'm letting everyone know here that we are spreading the initiative to neurodiverse students as well. Um, But we provide one-on-one individualized support services to focus on students' academic, social, and career-related goals. Um, I came to UT back in October of 2019, and I previously uh, worked at another institution, Texas Tech University, um, and provided support services there for students on the spectrum. And when I came to UT, I was like, UT does not have anything to support this population. And I've been working in this field for about 10 years, and so I was like, UT needs something like this. So started it from the ground up and wanting to really like hear our students' voices, make sure students have the support they need and create community for our neurodiverse students. Thank you for sharing that. I love what you said. uh, And we'll talk about this later. Uh, You saw a need and you made something happen. I love that. And that's what I love about uh, working here at UT. Skylar, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? You can tell us... uh, um, what, what your major is, where you're from, uh, and what are some fun facts uh, about you? For sure. Um, my name is Skyler. I am a sophomore computer science major and government minor. Um, I am born and raised in Austin, Texas, live about 20 minutes away from campus. Um, went to school in East Austin and Dove Valley Independent School District, proud Dove Valley Cardinal alum. Oh gosh, fun facts. Um, <laughs> My dad is a UT graduate. He was a student trainer for um, baseball national championship team in the 80s. Uh, so UT history kind of runs in my blood. Um, I was also part of a program for students on the autism spectrum, an outreach program that no longer exists. It's called, it was called University of Texas Autism Project or TAP. 
and I'm one of Ashley's Longhorn Thai students, actually, and I identify as a person with autism, and I am Ashley's, one of Ashley's first Longhorn Thai students who's been there from the very beginning. That's awesome, Skylar. Thank you for being here today, and thank you for sharing with us. I'm, uh, if you all haven't guessed, uh, this is the Autism Acceptance Month uh, episode of the live podcast, and I couldn't be happier to have uh, Skylar uh, and Ashley with us today. And so we're going to be talking about uh, what Ashley does with Longhorn Ties. Uh, Skylar's going to be sharing a little bit more about his experiences uh, as a student here at UT and just some cool things that we, sh- we all as a campus community can be aware of as we're uh, going about our business day to day for those of us who are faculty and staff, how we serve uh, our neurodiverse students and what we can do to continue to improve our community for uh, neurodiverse students for years to come. So um, Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit more about some of the things that you all are doing this month? Let's start with the significance of Autism Acceptance Month. Yes. Uh, So as you said, April is Autism Acceptance Month. And it's, you know, back in the day, you might hear some people say autism awareness, but we are wanting to shift the narrative and talk about acceptance and really accepting individuals that have varying differences, accepting everything that they're bringing to the table. Um, and And acceptance includes listening and hearing from autistic individuals. So you may know about autism, based on like the books you've read or the TV shows you watch, but that is just the awareness stage. The acceptance is really listening to um, people that are autistic and living the experience and hearing what they say and incorporating that into your everyday language. Um, So this month is Autism Acceptance Month. And last year, of course, because of COVID, we couldn't really do anything. So this is our inaugural celebration And we're not only wanting to celebrate autism, but also neurodiversity and really push like inclusive practices around campus. I think this year, you know, UT as a whole, we've been trying really hard to um, make things more inclusive and, you know, think about all different populations when we're creating initiatives and serving. But I didn't want us to forget about our neurodiverse students and those students with invisible disabilities. And so we want to celebrate all of those students and staff and faculty this month. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, And, you know, Ashley, thank you for uh, clarifying those steps within moving from just awareness to acceptance. And I think a lot of the times uh, I was reading an article the other day that talked about, you know, is, is awareness enough? What can we do to move beyond awareness? And I like the fact that, you know, I've seen you in different meetings and I've seen you doing different presentations to different groups and you've spoken to some of my student groups as well. Um, Why is it important that we develop uh, that vocabulary or that language around moving from awareness to acceptance for all of us, not just faculty and staff, but for students as well? Why is it important that we develop that vocabulary? It is so important because, you know, we want to, I I was reading this article that I've shared with a lot of people that was written by an autistic person and they were saying it's time to level up. You know, it's time to move from those preconceived notions that we have about this or that. And that's why it's important for us to go from just that awareness stage. A lot of times we move and we talk in in ways based on kind of, like I said, the books we read or, you know, what we have been 
taught through TV shows or media. And that's just that awareness phase. And it's great being educated, but it's important for us to move past that education and move towards that acceptance and bringing people in and listening to those that are actually living that experience and taking their words for truth, right? Because a lot of times we're like, oh, well, you know, this is what the article says about what it means to be autistic. Well, that article isn't written by an autistic person. And so it's time for us to move past just our simple understanding of what autism is and really listen to those that are artistic in taking what they say as truth. Because if you meet one person with autism, that's just one person with autism. Everyone has their own experience and truth. Can you talk about, Ashley, can you talk about, you know, the language around, you know, neurotypical and neurodiverse? Because that for me, I didn't encounter that language until, um, gosh, a couple of years ago when I was working at Clemson and uh, serving uh, students on the autism spectrum in my role uh, overseeing uh, undeclared students uh, as an academic advisor and academic coach. Can you talk about, you know, the importance of understanding what that is, and then un- and the importance of moving towards a more neurodiverse understanding uh, amongst the campus communities. Yes, yes. So I'm with you. the The term neurodiverse was new to me um, when I came to this campus, and I was hearing a lot of students say neurodiversity, and I'm neurodiverse, and I was like, okay, well, what is that? Um, and so the term um, neurodiverse, and I always fumble over my words when I explain what neurodiversity is, but I'm just gonna do kind of the the simple definition, and then we can talk about it a little bit more. But it neurodiversity refers to like the variation in human brain regarding sociability, learning, attention, mood, and other mental functions. So it is really applying to the neurological differences that we do have. So if we talk about neurotypical versus um, neurodiverse, neurodiversity It's a concept that is fairly new, but as I said, it talks about the brain differences. Um, So you are going to hear, um, there's a few, there's a few diagnoses I'm going to throw out that may fall under that neurodiversity umbrella, such as ADHD or autism. And so it's, it's going to be, you know, those individuals, they're, their brain works a little bit differently, right? And they learn differently and they think differently. And um, compared to quote unquote neurotypical, um, neurotypical individuals, um, brain functions are, I don't wanna say quite the same um, (laughs) for neurotypicals, but um, neurotypical individuals, um, those differences just aren't there let's say, as compared to our neurodiverse individuals. Thank you for explaining that. And I think that that's important that we have that understanding so that, because for me, the reason why I like that language a lot better is because it puts us all in there together and it doesn't isolate and separate individuals out. It's neurotypical, neurodiverse. What's the difference? It's difference. That's it. It's not right. (laughs) It's not wrong. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And it's different and there's no culturally loaded term that we can assign to it 
or a right or wrong value. That, that's why I'm, I'm, I've been embracing that language uh, a lot more um, in my own experience and in my own uh, way of serving students. Skylar, I want to talk with you for a quick second. So you're, 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 you're a student who you said you identify as a student on the autism spectrum. What's it been like for you being at a place uh, as large uh, like the University of Texas at Austin, especially since it's a place where your dad uh, went to school and, you know, served as a trainer on a team. You grew up in East Austin, so you're close to home. What's that been like for you being here at UT? UT's my, been always in my dream school, and I've always wanted to use my experiences at UT to shape and show other people who are like me, specifically people who are on the spectrum or neurodiverse, if they can go to their dream school and get their degree and show that they can push beyond the disability that we, that they may have. Um, I know there's been a, um, a from experience, there's been a lot of people growing up in grade school that have doubted me It's a question like, are you going to the right place? And by doing what I'm doing with outreaching through the DDC programs I'm in, like XP3 and um, Gateway Scholars, I'm able to share my experiences as a person with autism with those who may not understand um, what it's like for a person with autism to go through on a daily basis here at UT and help shed light on what we, what I feel um, some of my other ND friends um, feel as well. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Can you talk about some of the things that um, you're excited about, you know, every single day about being a Longhorn? Uh, in this community, because a lot of our listeners are students, and a lot of our listeners are students that you may have seen or sat by, uh, and they didn't know this about you, uh, and they're getting to know a little bit more. Can you share what are some things that you're excited about uh, being a part of this campus community? It's a dream come true. That's the simplest way I can put it. It's been a dream for me since I was very little, and it's I'm, I'm living through a dream. It's almost like I'm not it's not real kind of a thing that I'm here and stuff. I can understand that, Skyler, because I grew up, you know, I'm, I'm from Tyler. So I grew up about four hours from here and Earl Campbell is from Tyler. So I'm from the same neighborhood, went to the same church. So everything I knew about the University of Texas was because of uh, the Campbell family. And so whenever you talk about Tyler, Tyler is synonymous with Austin. And so growing up, I, I understand. Now, when I came to visit, UT was just too big for me. And I was like, you know what? I, I can't do an undergraduate school this big. I want something a little small. But as far as being an employee, I have always wanted to work here. So I understand because uh, every day when I get to come here and do this work, I'm at the school I always wanted to work for uh, and the colors I've always wanted to wear. And so that I really appreciate hearing you share that, you know, you're living your dream um, what are some of the things that you do on campus or the, some of the things that you're involved in? Because uh, you, you said you're in your dream institution, you're in the major that you want to be in. Um, what, are, what are some of the things you do for fun as a student here? For sure. Um, I am in one org mainly. Um, it's the University of Texas D&D Club. I just got elected to an officer position. I'm co-secretary. I found out that this week. Um, but beyond that, I've been a lot of, I've been doing a lot of, um, speaking and outreach for Gateway Scholars and XP3. Um, I show up to a lot of the things that Ties put on, that Longhorn Ties puts on through their programs and SSE put, puts on. 
So I try to make sure I um, socialize with both the neurodiverse and then also neurotypical people it, because it's, yeah. Why, is, why do you feel like it's important to, um, us, to diversify your social circle? Because I know a lot of students, you know, when they come to college, if they don't come with people that they went to high school with, sometimes they struggle. Or for people who go to college out of town, they'll stay to themselves or to link with just like-minded groups of people. And what I hear you saying is that you intentionally uh, interact with and put yourself in situations where you're interacting with a diverse group of people. Why do you feel like that's important? Well, for me, it's uh, partly because of where my high school, not many of us graduated and went to UT that I, that I are friends of mine. So I had the new, I knew going into UT, I needed to branch out and find people with like interests that I didn't necessarily where it wasn't able to explore or join orgs with that high school because they weren't offered at the high school I went to or even middle school. But beyond that, I, it's hard to say, um, I like to put myself out there because I know it's important for me to be able to, for my communication, my social functioning, which I struggle a lot with being on the spectrum, um, the social cues, facial expressions. Like I, I can't I have a very hard time with that. And the more I'm with people who are not like me in the sense that they had, don't have the same struggles and more I can pick up on different emotions and different cues from other people, which is something um, I have always, it's going to be a life, my whole life will be working on that. And Skylar, thank you for putting that out there and sharing. And I think that that's the importance of a college environment. And I hope that our parents that are listening, I hope that uh, the faculty and staff that are listening are paying attention to what Skylar is saying here, because Skylar, what I hear you talking about is uh, the importance of everybody experiencing something different. I think that neurotypical students as well as neurodiverse students would benefit from being in those environments where you have to develop that muscle. I hear, I hear some development language in what you're saying. And as someone who's in charge of student learning and development for an entire department, that, that, that speaks clearly to my soul because now I'm thinking about what are some of the ways that, you know, in places like the residence halls or in our dining facilities, what are we doing to ensure that we're creating environments that facilitate this kind of learning and development for everybody, not just for, for neurotypical or neurodiverse students, but for everyone. So thank you for sharing that, Skylar. Um, Ashley, same question for you. What are some things that we can do well, not necessarily the same question, sorry. <laughs> what are some things that we can do as an institution to make sure that we're meeting the needs uh, of our neurodiverse students, uh, especially in relation to what Skylar just said about having to be intentional about being in those environments where he can develop that skill of reading social cues and um, being able to understand different dynamics and interactions, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think the first thing that we as a university, you know, need to do is bring those people to the table, mm -hmm. um, you know, and have those conversations. When I first started Ties, I was adamant about like, I 
I consider myself, you know, very knowledgeable in working with students with neurodiverse um, differences, but I am not a neurodiverse individual. So I need to hear from those students. I need them to tell me what they need and what they what they want. And so I think bringing those individuals, whether they're, you know, students, staff members, faculty that are neurodiverse to the table and having those conversations of what we can do to be more inclusive um, would be the first start. Um, I would say when we COVID happened and this pandemic and we had to quickly change the platforms that we were using to connect with students, we had to start thinking about um, how we can reach other people and how can we make things more inclusive. And so we were rushed to change those things, but I think even just yeah. those simple conversations you know, and changes definitely helped. Mm -hmm. Now, Skylar, I want to ask you a question real quick, because Ashley just brought up something that's very important um, that, you know, parents and institutions have ha had to deal with this past year, and that's life with COVID. What was it like dealing with that abrupt change to everything that you've been working on? You know, you've had this routine and then now all of a sudden your world is completely different. And so here goes yet another thing that you're having to learn to deal with that no one is prepared for. What's that been like? What was that like for you? Uh, for me on a personal level, it was very hard in the sense that go my, like, while I was speaking to earlier about the social stuff, I was finally learning what it's like to make friends on e easier and how it's, what, it, what it's like to meet up with friends for lunch. Like I never did that in grade school. And I was making friends kind of easy, was able to make pick up on social stuff and then COVID hit and stripped it all away. So now when we go back to normal, I'm going to have to reteach myself how to do all that, which is upsetting. And it's because I made so much progress and now it's gone, but it's going to be worth in my eyes to be worth it because it makes you stronger. Since you know how, how, how to do it, you can take what you've learned and then apply it and make it even better at it. And the other thing that you put, talked on was routine, which for me being part of me being on the spectrum, I have I have to have I follow my schedule to a T. <laughs> you could ask Ashley that. Uh, I just we're eight talk, minutes we're early for this podcast. Too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if it's I, I the the other part that COVID kind of not destroyed, but like kind of threw me off uh, being on the spectrum is. The routine aspect in the sense that I'm used to getting up at 5 30 to get the bus at 6 30 to go to campus, attending classes, and then studying. Like I didn't have that anymore. So I had to figure out, like, literally to a complete 180, having to sleep in till like seven o'clock so I can get up for a 10 o'clock lecture and stuff. And it, it just was chaos in my head. Mm. Now, and Skylar, thank you for putting that out there because that's something that I know a lot of instructors you know, just based on emails from the provost's office last year, because uh, I serve as a lecturer here on campus as well. And so I saw some of the emails going out to instructors. And I think that as instructors, a lot of us were trying to make sure that we maintained the level of rigor for students. But unfortunately, in doing so, we were making things more challenging for neurotypical and neurodiverse students, but especially our neurodiverse students. And I'll just be honest, I don't know 
if that was factored in as much as we are doing now. I think this year we did an exceptional job in that area. But March through May of last year, I don't think that we did a good job there. Skylar, what, what, what do you think we could have done differently, especially last year specifically? I think that one thing that there could have been like a standard um, of like, if you have, and I, I'm just thinking out loud here. It's not full process yet. If the professors were to have come out and some professors, not necessarily all, depending on the class, if some professors that came out and said, this can be an adjustment for everyone, I will work with you because of the new environment, the new normal we're living in, that none of us know what to expect on a daily basis. That that kind of communication from a professor level would have helped me know like, okay, it's okay for me to show up late if I'm having a issue related to COVID. And the fact that whatever that may be, and I, it's not only applying to me, it will apply to all my classmates as well. Ashley, same question. I got it right this time. Yeah, no, I, I like I like exactly what Skylar said. And I think the communication and the normalizing at the beginning that we're all going through this, mm-hmm. um, because when, when COVID hit, we had to quickly change how we were providing services for our students. And as Skylar said, our main goal was helping them recreate this new routine in the environment they're in. And, you know, we had a lot of conversations of like, it is okay to freak out. I'm freaking out. It is okay. And I think a lot of our students were under this impression, you know, from March to May, that they still had to bring their A game and do everything at the and turn in everything on time and do this and do that. Um, And I think it would have been helpful at that time for, you know, them to know that it is okay if you need to take a time out. Um, I think, you know, we were so busy trying to change things so quick that we forgot how it was affecting all of our students. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I agree with Skylar 100% on that one, you know, having conversations and having faculty and different professors saying, you know, I understand that you may be going through this. Mm -hmm. And it is okay, you know, if if things are adjusted a little bit during that time. And that's the thing I like about the job that I get to do. And so that's why I was resonating with what Skylar said. It's like, yeah. I'm living the dream. I come to work every day. I get to talk to colleagues like Ashley Richardson. And then I get to meet with students like Skylar Allen. And I get to hear like, hey, this is what it's been like for me. And then I get to write that down and go into a meeting and go, hey, I had a conversation with Skylar today. And I'm not saying that this is what it's like for everybody. But have we thought about this? And so then to what Ashley, what you were talking about earlier, then that gets the ball rolling on all of our thinking and saying, well, hey, you know, we've got these spaces on campus. Are we unintentionally being hostile in in some ways? Are are there some things that we're not thinking about that are creating environments that aren't conducive for the learning and development that Skylar was just talking about? And so that's why I love the job that I do. Uh, Hint, hint, wink, wink, Dr. Kirksey. That's why I love uh, doing this job and being able to be so hyper visible to our campus community. Uh, And speaking of visibility, next week, well, depending on when we put this episode out, (laughs) um, by the time we get this out there, it will be a a week of programming that 
uh, Ashley, your team is putting on and we're collaborating with you all. Talk about the week of programs that you've got, you know, if, if, if this is next week, which is the week going into the, what, what was next Monday, the, the 19th or The whatever? 19th. Yeah, the 19th. Yes. Yeah. So what, talk about what you all have going on for, for next week. Yeah, we're so excited about next week's event. So our goal with really celebrating the month is we wanted to hear from experts in the field, our students, and celebrate and educate, right? So we are doing a week of panel um, panel discussions. Our first one kicks off Monday, April 19th, and we are doing a Busty Myths panel. So we have some students, faculty, staff on there talking about like just random myths of autism and neurodiversity and how we can just change our thought processes on that and bust some of those myths. We will also have a one of the career centers. I think it's liberal arts. I got to check. They're doing a pop up resume critique. So if any undergraduate students need their resumes, you know, looked at and. Um, just get some advice um, that is going to be happening. Um, and then on Tuesday, which is probably my favorite event that we're doing, is we're premiering a Q&A to, um, from student neurodiverse students. And it's going to premiere on our UT Orientation YouTube page at 10 a.m. And um, it was great conversations. You will get to hear from about seven or eight neurodiverse students on campus and just in Skylar's one of them yeah. and, uh, and talking about their experiences and what they want, you know, others to know and what they wish UT could add to, to help our students better. Um, and then we will be doing our neurodiversity celebration with housing, a come and go event on 21st and Speedway. So please check it out. We're going to be giving out calming um, kits, um, which includes like a lot of cool fidgets and and things like that. There's going to be food. There's going to be color wall. um, And um, yeah, it's from three to five. And then we're just going to have some more panels. We're going to have a intersectionality and ASD conversation with some students and staff, uh, trauma and ASD conversation. And also we're going to be doing a screening and discussion of a freeform show called Everything's Going to Be Okay on that Thursday. So definitely check it out. Our website, it's the orientation.utexas.edu slash autism acceptance month, or you can just go really to- and we'll put that, We're going to put that link in the liner notes for the- Okay, So they'll awesome. be able to see the week of events as soon as we put, I'm thinking I'm going to put this out there on April 19th. So- Hopefully, if the studio can get this done today, it'll be posted on Monday the 19th because I don't want to wait until Tuesday. I think we should get this out there as soon as we can. Well, and the great thing with all these events, they're just not open to UT people. So, you know, if you have family or friends um, or colleagues that you're like, oh, they may be interested in this fourth in the Zoom link, they mm-hmm. can attend. And that was really our goal was really we wanted to open this up. We wanted to start the conversation. And, you know, of course, we wanted to let the campus know that Longhorn Ties, we're here to support our students and we'll be doing this every year. Now, Ashley, one thing we didn't answer earlier, what does Ties stand for? Yes. Yes. So TIES stand for Transition, Inclusion, Empower, Success. And we call it TIES because uh, first we start with students from 
write it orientation and we work with them throughout their undergraduate career. So we that's like the transition component. Inclusion is so important um, to me and with this program, wanting to work on, um, you know, promoting inclusive practices across campus and um, empower, you know, we work a lot on empowering our students, helping them with self-advocacy, building up those skills. So Skylar mentioned a lot of like skill development. We do a yes. lot of that. And to me, all of those components, you know, equal success for our students. So we are wanting to help our students succeed inside and outside the classroom. And so we do different things from just beside our weekly meetings with students. We have a lot of social events, a lot of professional development um, trainings that they can go to. And we're really building a community so our students can feel supported. And, you know, Skylar can tell you, like they've contacted other students and they've made friendships from ties. And yes. that is that was really important to me when creating ties. I, I really appreciate that. And for everybody listening, I hope you all stop by, check out uh, all the programming and all the engagement that's happening during this wonderful week. Uh, I can't wait because as soon as we get this published, I'm putting this out there for the whole division to hear. And so, Skylar, you're going to be popular on campus this week. So I don't know if you are you ready for that? <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> So I think the, la the last thing I'll ask both of you, because I know we're, we're getting a little short on time. The last thing I'll ask both of you is what's one thing that um, we haven't talked about that you would want uh, our listeners to know, whether it be about neurodiversity, Skylar, whether it be about uh, your, you, you or your peers and some other experiences. What, what would you both want the, our, our audience to know more about as it relates to this topic? Ashley, would you like to go first? Sure. No, I can go first. Um, I think, you know, a big takeaway is, you know, when you are in interacting with individuals that are different from you, you know, they want to be treated just like anyone else. Um, you know, they're, everyone, we do have our differences, but we also have our commonalities. So, you know, it's great to learn from each other and learn about kind of where the other person is coming from and listen to people that aren't like you. That's the only way you're going to learn and understand um, different cultures and different, you know, especially when it comes to neurodiversity, we have to listen to those neurodiverse people to understand. Um, and so I would say, listen, be welcoming and talk about your differences, but also talk about all the things you have in common. What about you, Skylar? How would you I would say something very similar to that? <laughs> Don't, uh, as a person with, with autism and as a neurodiverse person, I've, I've been um, shown because of being different and having, thinking differently in my quirks that are because of my autism. But don't let that be a bad first impression because we're all human beings. We want to be accepted. We want to be included. We want to be to show ourselves, the world, our friends, everyone that we're just as capable as the person next to us on doing the exact same thing. And not only that, but just listen to us and our stories because you like Ashley said earlier, if you meet one person with autism, you just met one person with autism. It impacts people differently. And it's, as a person with autism, that's something I want people to know is that 
treat every person with autism as a person first and then listen to their story because their story impacts them as a person more than anything. I think that's lessons for life. Yes. <laughs> yeah, treat, yes. Everybody, treat everybody as an individual. I love that, Skyler. Okay, okay. Y'all trying to, <laughs> try to drop, do the mic drop on us as we wrap up. Well, listen, thank you both uh, for being on the show today. And, and Skyler, thank you for, uh, you know, opening up and telling us your story and and getting us thinking. I just I just sat back and I normally I'm taking a million notes and I but today I was just sitting here like I, I could listen to you talk all day, man. And I, I I love I love your story and I hope that uh you know when we get back to campus I'm hoping that we can sit down and uh meet up at some point. I'd love to get a chance to talk with you more. And Ashley of course um you know me I'm I'm I Whatever you need for ties, you know, I'm there for it. So, yes, yes. And if students, if any neurodiverse students, you're saying like you just need a little bit more support or you just want somebody that you can check in with every other week or every week to just make sure you're staying on track, mm-hmm. please reach out to ties. It's a free yeah. service for students. And all you have to do is identify as neurodiverse and where you're placed. Yeah. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out. And if you can't find ties, come find me. <laughs> come find me, B Jones at austin.utexas.edu. I will. We will connect you. I promise you that. We we will make sure you get the support uh, that you need. Or if you need a place to just come kick it in the fall, my office will be open for that as well because I keep snacks for everybody. So. <laughs> So, so I'm gonna be coming to visit your office. That's what I do. That's hey, listen, everybody knows my office was in, listen before COVID, my, my office was the place for snacks. People would, I mean, I'm in this glass box. So everybody would walk by and see that bowl full of stuff, and people would just run in and I just be like, oh hi. And I get back to work and students would come and eat at my little table over here. That, and that's how I got to know students was just putting out snacks. I mean, who knew? College students like snacks. <laughs> <laughs> who knew, right? But thank you all. Thank you all so much for uh, tuning in. And thank you, Skyler. And thank you, Ashley, for being on. For our listeners, we're posting episodes every week. So make sure that you're tuning in and sharing with everybody. So take care and have a good one. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To catch the next installment, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. This podcast was recorded and edited in collaboration with the LAITS Development Studios Audio Department. More information can be found at liberalarts.utexas.edu LAITS. The intro song was composed by Ian Herrera, and you can find his work at ianherrera.com. The outro song was composed by Noah Keller, and you can find more of his work at noahdkeller.com. We'll see you next time.